This is episode number 107. Can you negotiate with a no? With Rena Friedman Watts. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lokhid, and this is the Overcoming Odds podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. One of them being give a shout out to our review of the week, which comes from Derek Garcia. I am honored to have done a podcast interview with Oleg for Overcoming Odds. They are doing great work that's important for each and every one of us. We all have struggles that we must navigate. These podcasts provide real-life examples that inform and inspire their viewers. We are not alone in our journeys, and they are much more enjoyable when we can share our examples and learn from others. Thank you, Oleg, for all that you do. Thank you for that awesome review, Derek. If you would like to be featured on our review of the week, please go ahead and leave us one on iTunes, Google, or Facebook, and we'll be happy to feature you. Now, let's get back to our show. This week's conversation features Rena Friedman Watts, someone that I connected with a few weeks ago on LinkedIn and wanted to bring her onto the show to give her an opportunity to share more about her story and the different experiences that she went through throughout her life, but also talk about this concept of can you really negotiate with a no and the mindset that once develops in that particular approach. Without further ado, please welcome Rena Friedman Watts. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Odds podcast. Today's guest is someone that I was fortunate enough to meet through a mutual connection of ours. Adam Posner on LinkedIn. Her name is Rena Friedman Watts. And I wanted to have her on this show because, well, primarily because of the conversation you and I had, which I think initially in both of our minds was only going to last 15 to 30 minutes. And I think it went well into the hour. And I'm sure that we could have continued on talking for many, many hours beyond that, <laughs> um, just based on the type of people we are. But I really wanted to have you on this show. And the way that I would like to start this off is actually ask you this rather loaded question that I ask a lot of our guests that come onto the show, and that is, who are you? That's a really deep, hard question to ask. And even mm-hmm. as you brought it up again today, I was like, I am a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a mom of four. I have defined myself by my career for a very long time. Um, I, the first half of my career, I worked in television, mm-hmm. um, kind of fell into that really. I started in radio and college at an NPR station. And even before that, got a singing scholarship to college, but never really liked the spotlight. I always mm. kind of preferred, you know, the edit bay or the, the radio station when no, when no one was there and I could sing to myself or, you know, singing in my car, or singing mm-hmm. in the shower. Um, uh, so I drove up to Chicago and interviewed at WGN and thought that I was going to work in radio and then didn't get the job and then saw that Jerry Springer was looking for interns 
in the same courtyard and walked across the street to NBC Tower, got through security, ended up getting an interview, started there two weeks later. And I've still kept in touch with people from that show today. So I would say that I'm a risk taker. I'm an adventurer. I ride the waves of clients, of opportunities. Um, I kind of want my kids, too, to adventure through life like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really interesting mindset. I mean, the fact that you mentioned, you know, your work in progress, I think that's true for all of us. I mean, the fact that we are all, cons- not all, but some of us that choose to intentionally go into this phase of growth and really learn from it and not label certain things for good and bad experiences, but rather just accept them for what they are. Because I think with that mindset, in my opinion, that's where we can put ourselves in kind of the driver's seat and really be able to identify lessons and takeaways from each one rather than saying, okay, this is a bad experience. I don't want to repeat that again. Because you really don't know when you're going to get an experience like that ever again, right? And so as part of that journey, I think it's important to just embrace the whole thing and know that there will be challenges along the way. But at the same time, it's like, that's, I don't know, for me, that's what drives me knowing that I could step into it and learn and constantly grow throughout the whole journey. Some lessons are truly so hard to learn from Mm -hmm. because they're just, you know, challenges that you would have never imagined happening. Mm -hmm. Like just complete whirlwinds. And when, when they happen, you're like, okay, I know I wasn't going to get this any other way. (laughs) Yeah, that really hurt. And I've experienced those even recently where, you know, you think things are going according to plan and you think that, you know, you've uh, had these same projects before and that they're going to unfold the same way. And then you're like, oh, my God, I would have never seen that. Mm-hmm. you know, as a possibility of even happening. Mm-hmm. But if you don't work with new people and you don't work in new uh, verticals and you don't take new challenges, you'll, you'll just never experience those things. And like you said, if you can just be open to um, seeing it as a learning experience, you'll really grow from it. But some of those lessons can be so painful. Yeah. I think part of that mindset comes to the relationship that you have with rejection and no which is also the topic, ironically enough, that you chose for this particular episode or part of it, and that is can you negotiate with a no? I think before we even dive into that, I want to be able to isolate and break down (coughs) certain parts of it. And the first one being is the relationship with rejection. What is your relationship with it? Like how have you come to terms with rejection to a degree where you actually understand that it's part of the process, part of the journey, and it doesn't mean that it's the end of the road, even though we oft- we sometimes think that it is. I hate losing. I really, really hate losing. And I also have a son that hates losing more than I love winning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have really had to work on my mindset with rejection and redirection and reframing and not necessarily seeing it as rejection. Mm. Um, it's something that I still, you know, work on for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like you could do really well in a job for a year and a half and, you know, be the top salesperson and then realize that you don't even like what you're selling, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? So in some ways, 
you know, that's coming to an end. That's a rejection. But in some ways you could say, hey, wow, like I learned a lot from being able to sell that. And, you know, I had some great experiences doing it. And now I should sell something that I'm more aligned with because mm -hmm. I know I can sell. Mm -hmm. Are there any stories from your past that you can recall, whether it was from your parents or someone, some of your greatest mentors that really put you on this journey of developing this particular mindset when it comes to embracing rejection as part of the process? My dad, I mean, he's constantly reinventing himself, recreating himself. He ran a company with his parents for 40 years mm -hmm. and you know, they just didn't change with the times. They were in the manufacturing industry and a lot of um, manufacturing went overseas and they couldn't keep up, you know, um, competitive wise with their rates. And they didn't really, you know, <laughs> get an updated website or learn SEO or, you know, all of their deals were made over the phone. And, you know, my grandfather knew everyone in the industry. And, you know, then my dad in closing up the factory he learned how to, you know, negotiate with auctioneers and how to sell stuff on Craigslist and how to, you know, get more than one person to come in at the same time and upsell each other. Mm -hmm. And just his hustle and his reinvent, reinventing himself. And he was like, oh, maybe I should uh, get, get into distribution. Maybe I should, you know, uh, facilitate sales and be a consultant because I have all of these relationships. I've seen him pivot so many times. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think that some of that is definitely rubbed off on me. Mm -hmm. Has, has your mom played a role within that as well? <laughs> in, in another way, you know, like we're going to go down the whole family tree here. You oh know, the yeah. Siblings I and mean, the grandparents. your childhood mm -hmm. and your influences and your early experiences and what you see with your parents definitely plays into who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my mom didn't ever really work and she had me very young and I feel like she was resentful for not having a career. And so that was a bit of an impetus for me to want to work and for me to get married 10 years after she did and start having a family later because I wanted to be able to stand on my own two feet and live in a major city and, you know, pay my own bills. And Do you think, so, part, part, do you yeah. think part of that came from just wanting to prove to whether it was your parents or it was you that you can do it oh, 100%, or, or was yes. it was there something else that you kind of wanted to develop as part of that well it goes back to that whole question you asked me about what is success right so I saw success as you know making money and being busy and running a, a business mm. like my dad and my grandparents Mm -hmm. Because they were happy and they were fulfilled and they were living and breathing that. Um, and I didn't necessarily see value or success in staying home. But my mom did so much for us. She took us to activities and she was at every school function. And she encouraged us, you know, to follow our talents. And that's such an important role, too. And I feel like it's even being somewhat lost today because... You know, it's just hard to balance all of that. Yeah. I think the other thing that I w I'm very fortunate to when it comes to my parents, as you're talking about yours, is they were just exceptional at creating a space for me to explore. And even er <coughs> areas that I quote unquote might have failed in or whatever it is, it I mean, that's all part of that journey, right? Stepping into it. And I think the other thing that I've learned 
over time is that even when we have the assumptions that it's okay we're stepping into this and we've done this before therefore we somehow know how to do it again or get better at it's not true because every single day and every single opportunity is new you're always stepping into the unknown even if you've done the same task i mean i always break it down to people who even think about the concept when you get out of bed every single morning you get out of bed it's most likely different from the morning before and the morning before that this time you're going right foot first instead of left foot another time you're going both feet what some other times you could be stressed out or or already have thoughts a list of things to do that you got to get through so no two paths are the same along this journey and so i think just creating a space for you to be you and then learn from it i think it's the most important thing that we can do for individuals whether they're within our circle or anyone that we come across from i think that's the biggest thing in my opinion that we can provide for any individual that we come in contact with. I really think that that's the greatest part about being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. is that you can really move forward as yourself. You can do your own messaging without having to worry about being wordsmithed. You can go have a lunch break and then come back and work till 11 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, wear skirts or yoga pants or, you know, work from anywhere the freedom of being an entrepreneur, even though you work a zillion more hours, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, really allows you to be you. Mm -hmm. I want to dive into today's topic, and that is, can you negotiate with a no? And I know we spoke a little bit about your relationship that you have with rejection. So the reason why I think that topic is interesting for me is because about a year and a half ago to two years ago, I was actually faced with a similar situation like this of my own. And that was we're hosting an event in Philadelphia for the organization, this organization called Overcoming Odds. And one of the things that I had to do was call different hotels to be able to host the speakers that were flying in. So I called 124 hotels before I got my first yes of three rooms donated. I needed two more rooms. So in my mind, okay, I got to do another 124. Only took, it only took three. So 127 phone calls later, I was able to get the five rooms donated. What I learned throughout that process was the importance of A, continuing to tell yourself that you can do it and that it is possible. And B, also reframing the question to them. So when I hit call 40 or 50, I just started to ask them the question, what do you need to hear in order for you to go from a no to a yes? What are the elements that you're looking for? And I think sometimes we look at it differently and so we think that a no is the ultimate no. So in your opinion, what have you learned throughout your own journey that makes you the person that you are who throughout the conversation that we had yesterday firmly believes that you can find your way through that particular barrier. It's really what you just said is asking what would make this a yes. Mm -hmm. You've got to find that out from the other party. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. knowing how to, you know, ask the right questions is a big piece of it. 
knowing that it's possible and that, look, it could take 124 times or it could take <laughs> times. A bit of it is a numbers game. Mm-hmm. And I, I give you credit because um, recently someone asked me to try to find a hotel for them with like a week's notice mm-hmm. in trade for publicity, a week's notice. Mm-hmm on top of everything else that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I think I tried like 10 people and was like, oh, forget it. Like even I got a yes from one, but the, the dates didn't work. <laughs> mm. And I was like, a week's notice isn't enough. Mm-hmm. I know it's possible, but I was like, what's more important? <laughs> you know, <laughs> location where you're going to be speaking or where the location where you're going to be sleeping. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, giving yourself enough time, um, giving yourself other possibilities, you know, not being super picky, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've seen it in so many different areas of where I've worked. Like when I worked in the talk show industry, I, I was calling thousands of people to book four or five stories. When I worked in court TV as well, I would go through hundreds of cases to find one good one. Mm-hmm. Um, when I worked um, in the corporate space in order to get, you know, the chiefs of uh, customer experience or chief financial uh, officers to come in for a lunch and learn, you've got to reach out to many of them and you've got to test your message and then you've got to see what gets people to respond and then you've got to tweak. Mm-hmm. Same thing with sponsors. It's a lot of it is a numbers game. And then if you get a no or they say, oh, I'm too busy, that's a reframe. That's a ask better questions. It's not really a no. It's you're not getting to the right person. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting mindset because I believe the same exact thing that sometimes even the pe- the person that you might be speaking with, you never know what they're going through. Mm. I mean, they might be having an unpleasant day. Something might have happened in their life. And so a way for them to say no is just an automated response that's influenced by some other event within their lives. So it's not always in that moment that I think it's happening. So I like the the point that you mentioned that just because you got a no from one person, it doesn't mean that that's the ultimate no for the entire organization or the entire group that you're a part of. So just knowing that and also understanding that there might be other people within that organization, just like there are other people within life who resonate with your story. And then there are people that don't resonate with your story because they may not have lived similar experiences. Same exact thing is true. I think when you're trying to approach it from the point of view where you're trying to get a yes or a no or whatever else it may be. I've even gotten a no from someone who I work with, mm-hmm. um, as far as asking for more money. Mm. And then you can say, okay. And then you don't bring it up again for three months. Mm-hmm. It's getting to know that person better. It's establishing a relationship. It's asking better questions and then revisiting in a different way. <laughs> hmm. That's amazing. Rena, final question for today's episode. And this is a question that I ask all, a lot of our guests that come onto the show. And that is, who or what are you grateful for today? Oh my gosh, I'm grateful for this conversation. I'm grateful for connecting with you. I am grateful for so much. Oh my gosh. Um, Just my family and health and 
being able to break up my day with deep conversations and new connections and being able to help people. I really enjoy what I'm actually doing, you know, from day to day. That's a tremendous blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that I'm able to scale that, you know, um, connect with more and more people and help more and more people and have more and more of these types of conversations. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. How do people find you and what are some of the things that you have coming up through your work that people can be a part of? Okay, so I'm on all social media pretty much. Um, she truly LinkedIn. is. <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn used to be my favorite, but uh, I've been becoming more active on Instagram. LinkedIn and Instagram, I'm Rena Friedman Watts. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook, I share a profile with my husband because that's where I really started connecting with my family on social. So it's Rena William Friedman Watts on there. Hmm. And Twitter, I'm just Rena Rena. And I have all different personalities on each one. I adjust according to the platform. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you for connecting with me to begin with and sharing your insights. Like I told you before, I really appreciate our connection and what it is and more so what's possible beyond it. So I appreciate you coming out to here, sharing your experience, sharing your wisdom and just understanding that there are other people that need and want to hear what you have to say. Everybody has something to teach you. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our monthly newsletter so you can receive all of the latest episodes featured stand-up and speak-up stories, and ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to having you next week.